Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Michelle Miao Show at the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm John Zippero, the club's vice president of media and editorial, and frequently Michelle's co-host on this program, though today I'm going to be behind the scenes. I'm going to be actually feeding questions to Michelle from our YouTube viewers. So we've got a small but mighty audience here in the room. We also have a lot of folks watching us online and, of course, listening to our, us later on the podcast. Um, if you've never heard of the Commonwealth Club before, we're a 118-year-old public forum. Uh, we put on civil discussions about all kinds of important topics, and sometimes we just have fun. So you can find out more about our upcoming programs, as well as get audio and video from thousands of past programs at commonwealthclub.org. And if you're looking for specifically for Michelle Miao shows at the club, go to commonwealthclub.org slash MMS. So if you are watching us live on YouTube, uh, just use the chat box there, put in some questions for our guests, and I'll feed them to Michelle. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce Michelle Miao. She's the producer and host of The Michelle Miao Show and a member of the Commonwealth Club Board of Governors. Good to see you again, Michelle. Welcome back to the stage. Thank you so much, John. And thank you to our wonderful audience. Thanks for being with us here in person. And thank you to all of you who are joining us online. Um, thank, welcome to our special Sally Miller Gerhardt tribute program. Sally passed away this year, July 14th. In 1973, Sally was, I think, the first out lesbian to, to obtain a tenure-track position at San Francisco State University, where she established one of the country's very first women's and gender studies program. So in her long life, Sally was a science fiction writer, an educator, teacher, a feminist, a friend, an amazing community member and a political activist. So we're all here today to share tribute to Sally. Our speakers today are also friends, activists, artists, filmmakers, community members, and giant voices themselves. And so they're also all here to share tribute to Sally. Uh, so welcome all of our speakers. Thanks so much for joining us and being a part of this amazing program. I'll have each of you introduce yourselves and then share, you know, one of your fondest memories, whether it was meeting Sally in person or a, a true fact or something you've uncovered, um, but, but do share with us. And so we'll start with Jorg. Um, my name is Jorg Fokely. I am uh, the co-producer, one of the co-producers on the film. Deborah and I uh, have known each other for, I think, 11 or 12 years. I think of everybody on this panel, I'm probably the one who had the least uh, encounters with Sally, and um, I think the first time I met her was actually two years ago when we had a shoot in Willits, and I was uh, replacing a camera person. Um, <clears throat> but I think one of my favorite memories of Sally is actually before the film even got made. Deborah made a beautiful short film, thirty-minute short film um, about lesbians and aging, um, and Sally is one of the women portrayed in the film. One of I can't remember how many, seven or eight women, and. Um, <clears throat> Just seeing her as part of a short film, I completely fell in love with her. Her energy, her personality, her sense of humor, her ferocity. I mean, she was just amazing. And I remember watching that film and thinking, I want to know more about that particular woman. And I'm glad that uh, eventually we ended up um, talking about making a feature about Deborah, uh, Sally. We actually do have a trailer of the film that you're talking about, the short or the film in progress. But why don't we finish off our introductions, then we'll play the trailer. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, um, okay, my name's Deborah Deborah Craig, and I, as York said, I was making a short film about lesbians and aging. And I heard um, from somebody uh, um, that she knew a, an octogenarian uh, living on women's land. Um, and still cutting her own firewood with a chainsaw. And I'm like, I want to meet this woman. <laughs> and so I went up and only gradually did I figure out this is the Sally Gearhart. And she was already in her early 80s. And just right from the get-go, it was an adventure. We started calling it the lesbian safari because we all piled me and my camera woman piled in Sally's car. Sally was in the front seat. Her dog was in the passenger seat, which was covered with dog hair. There was nothing in the back. So we were kind of rattling around in the back and thought we might fall out. But we, we survived. <laughs> um, it, was, it was just excitement from the get-go. And again, the more I learned about her, the more I realized her importance that, that, that her story really needed to be told. That's so wonderful. Melanie. 
Hi, uh, thank you so much for doing this to Michelle and the Commonwealth Club. My name is Melanie Nathan. My pronouns are she and her. And um, I met Sally back around 2013, 2014. I can't recall exactly when. And um, I knew who she was. She had uh, worked on the, the Briggs Initiative um, as a fiery activist. Um, and when I met her, I felt like I was meeting the god of feminism and um, lesbian exposure, only to find out, and I hope we can talk more about this, that um, she was upset at the time due to um, an erasure of um, herself. But I hope we can talk more about that. Um, you know, when when you bring Sally to mind, you just smile because she was so profoundly fun. Uh, if there was any way to remember Sally, it would be the word fun, mm. um, which really, you know, stood in tandem with everything serious that she ever did. Um, so just a really big thank you to you for giving her this tribute and to the filmmakers for doing something that is so critical for all of us lesbians and community in general, uh, for women, um, to, uh, to really tell the world who Sally is and what she did for all of us. Thank you, Melanie. And Andy? Uh, I'm going to, my name is Andy Drary. I'm the uh, editor and one of the co-producers uh, of the film. And, um, I only met Sally twice, um, but it's funny, like York, my most visceral memory is of meeting her on my video monitor. And um, I didn't, wasn't given any sort of an introduction to her as a person. She was just one of eight people and she just sort of leapt off the screen, um, somehow transforming me a little bit in the process. But um, so I Googled her and immediately was like, oh my God, <laughs> wow. You look at all the things that this person has done. And so that was the beginning of my Sally Gearhart journey, um, which has just gotten, I don't know, better and richer as it, as it has gone along. Thank you. Well, let's take a look at that trailer now and get to see some glimpses of Sally. I'm sorry. I just caught our camera woman and she's smiling. It's fun having her behind the camera. Yeah. Have you noticed yeah. that? Okay, yeah, absolutely. Good. Oh, she's you... on her knees. God, I haven't had a woman on her knees for me for a long time. This is Sally Gearhart. And would you like for me to hold the camera for you? She is a force of nature. Here come the lesbians. Here come the leaving lesbians. There are those people apparently who question the health and the beauty and the naturalness and the strength of same-sex relationships. And all I've got to say is I wish they were here today. She reminded me of Maya Angelou, you know, the way she would just wrap you into her words. The woman just exuded charisma. Everything about her was as glamorous as a radical lesbian could be, <laughs> you know? She just had it, and we all fell in love with her. It was such an exciting time, the 70s and this feminist burst. There was the big word patriarchy. It was before women's studies really had started anywhere. And here was this powerful woman, Sally, who gave women great powers in her writing and in her thinking. She also really wanted women-only space. A lot of us did. Women's land. Right. And so um, I came to California with the dream of having land like that. Are you a lesbian separatist? Radical, lesbian, feminist, separatist, separatist, italicized. Yeah. In a classic case of life imitating art, Sally co-founded a women's land community at the same time that she was writing a futuristic sci-fi novel that became a cult hit. 
called the Wonderground. Had a friend come from the East Coast searching for Sally Gearhart of the Wonderground. <laughs> well, the book is a is a is a fantasy about women with all kinds of psychic powers living on the land and flying and you know teleportation, the whole works. Sally was way ahead of her time in connecting the dots. She's she's a visionary. She helped change history. I think she was seen by a lot of people as a major spokesperson for the gay community. Overwhelmingly, it is true that it's the heterosexual men, I might add, who are the child well, I believe that's a myth. I've never seen... I've oh, never seen senators, figures. the FBI, the National Council on Family Relations, mm -hmm. the Santa Clara County Child Sexual Abuse Treatment Center, and on and on and on. Sally Gerhardt, at a particular moment in our history, when it really mattered, she stepped up and she inspired tens of thousands of people, articulated the dreams of millions. She's an extraordinary woman. By now I found myself wondering, why haven't I ever heard about Sally Gearhart? Here we go, girls. My attempt to find out... Hold on to each other's hands. We are encouraging relationships among women. Turned out to be a pretty wild ride. Sorry about that, girl. We're going to be okay. Deborah Craig, she was handed a puzzle, and it was up to her to untangle it. Wow. Wish we could see the whole thing now. <laughs> you know, in each of the voices that had appeared in the trailer and these giant voices, you know, like a Gwen Craig, Cleve Jones, you all can hear uh, in their voices when they're talking about Sally, how much Sally meant to them, but also they recognize how much Sally meant to her community, our community. Why don't we start talking about um, what Sally meant to us and in a way in which to piece together the importance of continuing her legacy. I think Melanie had said it earlier, wanting to talk a little bit more about, you know, erasure of our community members. And I think there's something there, but we'll begin with Deborah. Um, the, Sally, I mean, Sally means a lot and a lot of different things, I think. And so the more that we delve into Sally, the more that we discover the complexity and the nuance and the multifaceted quality of Sally. I mean, I think um, what we're thinking, what we've discovered ourselves, me and Jorgen on Dean, and what we're also thinking about for the film is we need to celebrate Sally's accomplishments. There are so many of them. There, as... Um, um, as Melanie said, uh, the first out lesbian to get granted tenure, one of the co-founders of one of the first women's studies program, a really um, integral piece of defeating the, the Briggs Initiative, and that was a huge, huge victory. Um, an author in fields from communication to women's studies to religion. And, and so all of those accomplishments, I think, need to be recognized um, but the, the more we get to know Sally, the more we realize that she was, as she said in her own words, um, I think it was her good, good friend, um, Morgane, who told me, Sally used to tell people, I live in Northern California on a mountain of contradictions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she was not only very funny, but very self-aware and sort of sometimes self-deprecating or had that humor about herself. So she was a lesbian separatist. And we talked to folks who talk about how important that was, that, that she was sort of a beacon for that and a, and a strong voice for the need of women and lesbians to separate themselves out to come into their own at least at a certain period of time. Um, and she also needed her solitude and sometimes would find ways. In fact, in some ways, we think maybe moving up to Willits was her way to find her solitude. And she was an incredibly powerful um, advocate for, for lesbians and women and a separatist again in some ways. And then she really loved everybody. We interviewed a 
a good old friend of hers who said, Sally couldn't be separate from anybody. She just couldn't, you know, she, she didn't want to be separate. Anybody she saw, she really wanted to embrace them and was curious about them and was interested in their humanity. And so she always had men friends, some of them gay, some of them straight. She had... Um, I was very, very pleased to be able to interview a good friend of hers up in Willits, who's a staunch Republican. And we went to her house, and she had a signed picture of Ronald Reagan up on the the um, up on her wall. And we're like, "Ooh, are we okay in here?" And, and she just loved Sally and was charmed by Sally and engaged with Sally. So I think um, all of those things we need to celebrate her accomplishments and her complexity and her contradictions and her humanity. Jorg. Who? Um, <laughs> let me see. There's so much uh, we could say in this context. Um, I think first and foremost, um, I've always felt that I don't need to be part of a specific group or demographic to want to hear their stories told or hear their voices, you know, and whether that's, you know, right now we see this, like all these amazing films by filmmakers of color, like that are finally uh, in Hollywood all over the place, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the Shang-Chi or, you know, uh, Wakanda, that we see filmmakers, films being made by people that we haven't heard before. And I think to some degree, lesbian and lesbians and women in general are part of that. And I feel always that we all, um, we all win when these stories are told and when we can see the world through somebody else's eyes. And apart from that, so I've always seen it. I, I, I was part of a group of people like 30 years ago that started a gay and lesbian film festival in Hamburg, my hometown in Germany. We're still all good friends and the group from the beginning was actually men and women, actually more women, more lesbian women than gay men. But I think also there's just something about Sally's story, especially nowadays where we're in these times where nobody seems to be talking to each other anymore, where with Sally, as, as Deborah was just saying, the fact that she was friends with a staunch Republican, this little anecdote about her saying that if she could you know, talk to Briggs or like reach out to Briggs, like what she would want to do, and people were thinking that she said she was going to punch him in the face, and instead Sally said, I would go up to him and give him a big kiss on the lips. Mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of story and the kind of people that we need and that you don't have enough of. And I think that's one reason that I was really, really, and still am really inspired by her story. Mm-hmm. Melanie? You know, um, in thinking about Sally, I think I would like to sort of divide my thoughts into three. I think noting that she was a person of her time who had to sort of be there and perform according to the time, but in her ability to be courageous and as an activist, but she was definitely a person of her time. Then she has her place in history and look at it from that perspective. And thirdly, and to me, extremely important, is her place in the future. And so it's because of who she was at her time And it's because of her place in history that we can see how she provides the roadmap for the future. Mm. And I think it was Gwen Craig who pointed this out on a YouTube video that I watched where she was referring to the film Milk that won an Academy Award by Dustin Lance Black for his screenplay. Sally was erased from the Briggs Initiative history in that film where Sally played an integral part. And that erasure does not serve history. And so Deborah and the film team's film is so important to reestablish Sally's place and to stand on the record. And us in this moment in time going forward have an absolute duty to speak about an first ever gay person winning an Academy Award for a screenplay that was misleading is absolutely an outrage to the memory of Sally Miller Gearhart. And one more thing that I would like to say, um, you know, rigid constructs, and this is where we place Sally in her time when we speak about her as a separatist, rigid constructs of gender remain um, couched in our own versions of feminism. Um, And we must understand our history, not only to deconstruct the patriarchy, 
or decolonize our bodies as women, but to embrace new movements which challenge our own rigid constructs. So it's so important for us to understand Sally, where she was then, to know her contribution and what she did for us in truth and not to mislead, and then to just start the conversation now so that the young people can move forward. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I, I could not agree more with that with that third point that you made um i so i'll just tell it mine from a little bit of a more personal perspective um i got the news from deborah that sally had died and we knew that she was going for a while so i was very surprised um when it hit me uh, very very hard and i found myself just sort of sobbing uncontrollably um which didn't really make any sense because I'd only made her, met her twice. And, and I tried to think, you know, tried to figure out, you know, why, why is this death other than the obvious reasons, but why is it affecting me so personally? Um, and I think it was, in a way, it was grief for having spent so much of my life without knowing about Sally. So, of course, I only found out about her a few years ago when we started working on this project. But I, um, I grew up in the backlash against uh, feminism. Um, I grew up, I had a very, very lonely experience um, where you know, we were all sort of told that feminism, the little short burst of the second wave feminism had fixed everything. And uh, now we could just go forth and conquer. And um, that didn't turn out to be exactly true. Um, and so it was, it's been a, you know, and also, uh, in my personal life dealing with all kinds of, um, you know, the things that many women have to deal with. Um, so when I encountered Sally, it was almost as if I, her very, her, her persona and her presence made me feel safer in the, in, in the world. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I feel very invested in this film, um, personally, because I would like for other women to, to be able to grow up with Sally. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, speaking to what Melanie said, you know, looking at what they did versus what's happening now, and I really think it's, there's a bit of a wormhole happening where the two are, are coming together in a really amazing way. Um, but to not to throw all of that out and forget about it, um, and pretend like it didn't matter, but to really um, figure out how it's led to where we are today and what we have to learn um, going back and, and looking at what they did. Um, so that's, that's what Sally mm-hmm. means to me. I really, really resonate and feel you, Dean, on that. And um, even though someone like myself didn't know Sally personally, I knew you know, of her work, and obviously I'm a community member who's benefited from her work, her death was painful in that it came at a time in which we're still talking about women's rights as if we don't have them or we continually have to fight for them. I mean, you know, case in point, Texas. Um, And so it feels painful. It feels like we're losing a safety blanket, like, you know, Andine had said. And so I'd love for each of you to talk about, you know, just kind of at this time, and how critical it is that we continue to share this work in a way in which our younger generations, our future generations who will have to keep fighting uh, for us will truly understand you know, the importance of her work. So I'll start with Deborah. Um, sure. And also just a, 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 a shout out both to um, Melanie and Andine for their comments. And just a follow up on that. One of the, the women that we interviewed um, for the Sally film said feminism was just the 70s. And you see a little clip of it. It, it, it was feminism, this feminist burst. It was so wonderful. This, um, it really transformed us. We made so many mistakes. 
And I think that's the lens we want to have on this is um, really Sally and this Sally sort of spearheaded this collective effort of of, of women and lesbians and, and queer folks or gay folks, you know, whatever moniker people like who really did change the world and made mistakes along the way. And so we need to look at that honestly. So, so um, Melanie is absolutely correct. It pretty much was a travesty that Sally is left out of the milk film. So one of our objectives is to, to put her back in her rightful place in history. But it's more than that, because I really do think um, that all of us and younger people need to learn again. Unfortunately, we fight the battles over and over again. We need to learn from the way she fought those battles and those battles were fought and they were fought with incredible ferocity. I think I can't remember who else used that word. Incredible passion, 110 percent and not with animosity. And that is where that wonderful quote about Briggs comes from, is that's what I would do to him because we all expect a punch in the face. And so a kiss on the lips is unexpected Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's coming from love. And that's the other thing that Sally always talked about. And it sounds like hippy dippy and namby pamby or Mm -hmm. whatever, but it is Mm -hmm. true. It is true. And that we destroy each other if we don't try to understand each other, like Sally and Margie Hanley, her Republican friend, we're curious about each other. They didn't say, F you, you're a Mm -hmm. terrible person, you're wrong. They're like, they said, why do you think that? Mm -hmm. And so that ability not to seed ground, because Sally was, was, would go to the extremes. She really would. Um, But she, and, and she was fearless. But to do it in a spirit of generosity and openness, somehow, I feel like there's a message. And uh, by the way, also, um, and we talk about this a lot in the process of making the films, it doesn't feel to me like Sally's past history, and we just need to put that one puzzle piece in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Sally represents herself and a lot of other women who are involved and brings in those other battles. Um, but what she was prescient and a lot of what she talked about is absolutely relevant today, whether it's violence against women, um, environmental devastation, um, cruelty to animals. Those were deep, deep concerns of hers. Any kind of violence was a huge concern of hers. And, and we better be concerned. One of her, one, an article that she wrote that's really fascinating and controversial was um, the future, if there is one, is female. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, You'll see shirts, the future is female, which is all well and good. But she said the future, if there is one. In other words, it's not a guarantee. And we want to, we need to fight <laughs> to make sure we do have some kind of future. And our children, our nieces, our nephews, or mm-hmm. whatever, do have some kind of future. Absolutely. I, I, something popped up in my head. I was like, I wonder if she would give Donald Trump a kiss. I, <laughs> a man who gave a platform. Oh, that's for pushing. Him. That's pushing it. Yeah. I'm pushing it. Uh, 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 You'd have w- to bend down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> would anyone else like to add to the question of, you know, um, I mean, really digging deeper and erasure, losing some of our icons, our, our big voices, the work that they've done where in a time we really need to continue the work. I would just, yeah, just quickly add that, um, that it's, it's, it's looking at the mistakes, right. But it's also celebrating. So it's celebrating. uh, And the clip we're going to show will sort of um, a lot will has that spirit about it. Um, Just remembering everything that was wonderful um, and funny and sexy and badass, um, you know, about what they did at that time. And again, Sally, as a spokesperson for a large group of people who were, who were all playing their part. Um, but so in addition to kind of, you know, looking at the mistakes, honestly, um, also just celebrating the, the joy and the excitement um, that, that they, of, of that time period. Um, If I could add to what Deb had said as well, 
um, that sort of generosity of spirit that you speak of with Sally in the context of her disappointments. Um, when I spoke to Sally directly about the, her erasure in the milk film, and I asked her the question directly, and she was upset, but at the same time, she never bore a resentment, and she never held on to that in a resentful way. Um, and if anything, expressed the sort of the glass um, half full aspect of, um, you know, insofar as it uh, came back to her and her legacy. So she was very loving and generous of spirit in that way, which actually fueled me up as an activist to want to go out there and scream from the rooftops on her behalf as to the disappointment, because she did express the disappointment and the upset, but she was not, she was gracious and kind of heart and would never have taken it up herself. And that's another reason why I felt strongly that um, it's not something that we could keep, keep quiet about, not only for our community, but for her as well. But I, I just love that about her, um, that, that kindness and that um, constant uplift. And um, there are lessons in that, Deb, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Andy, you mentioned it. Yeah, sure, go I ahead. Have a quick, quick statement about erasure, and we've been talking about this as a film team, is that to really address erasure, we need more women filmmakers, more lesbian filmmakers, more filmmakers of color, more funding for all of those folks. Um, and, and again, I don't think that um, we have to only tell stories about people like us, but if we don't have people like us telling stories, we won't get the kind of stories that we crave and that we need and that we want and we deserve. Mm, very well said. Speaking of funding, speaking of films, and we've got a great team of filmmakers here who are telling a wonderful story. Uh, why don't we uh, uh, segue to the other clip that we have of Sally, and we'll talk a little bit about the the film, and then we've, we're getting some great questions from our online audience, so thank you. Keep them coming, and we'll get to those questions a little later. But right now, Wait, let's Michelle, get to the... Uh, do you mind if, like, Dean sets it up a little bit and gives the context for this sure. scene so it doesn't come completely out of the blue? Sure. Yeah, so we we just officially started editing about two months ago, and the first process usually involves just watching all the footage down. So this is actually the first editing that's officially been done on the film, uh, hot off the presses. It's pretty new. Um, and I started with a section of the film that I felt drawn to work on because I was so excited about the archival materials that we were finding, home movies and experimental films. Um, so in this section, um, I'm, we're, I think we're really kind of discovering the visual style, um, at, well, the, the style of the, of the film. Uh, this will be probably an act two, and it will follow Sally's this backstory and the story of her, her very painful story of coming out um, in, in uh, well, you'll see. <laughs> but that, so that, that's where this uh, sequence will come into the film. And it's about five minutes long. Cool. She was leaving the constraints of Texas, and I think she was ready to let that go. But I don't think that Sally had a clear notion of what living in San Francisco would mean. San Francisco wasn't yet known as the gay city. San Francisco had been the nicest, sweetest little beautiful city on the western seaboard, and that had been its reputation for over a century, and it was just shaken to its very roots by this whole business of these crazy queers. Because we're all alone and dissatisfied. Because we're all alone and dissatisfied. I mean, for heaven's sake, for the first time in my life, I see men and women walking down the street holding hands in the Castro. I mean, Harvey 
milk in his camera shop. And I walked up and down the streets and said, how do you do? My name is Sally Gerhardt, and I'm a lesbian. I was so proud of being a lesbian. I was so proud about being able to talk about it. She came out. Many people of her generation were destroyed. She had found her liberation, and she just walked in, and she was there. There I was in San Francisco, homeland of the great whole lesbian community, and I had the best time. One of the things that sadly has really vanished is the extraordinary lesbian culture that existed in San Francisco when I got here in the 70s. There were so many, I think there were at one point as many as a dozen lesbian venues, women's dance clubs, places where women could play pool. My mind was being opened, blown, really, you know, with all the new things that were happening that I didn't know anything about until I moved here. I shall never forget walking into the first meeting of what we were then calling Gay Women's Liberation, and there were something like 80 lesbian women sitting around in that room. I had never seen 80 lesbians together before in my life. You know, the, the Sally of six months later was simply ebullient. She had bought a motorcycle by that time. A, a 350 and to ride behind Sally on a 350 clutching her while she went up and down the hills was more than I mean I wasn't thinking about lesbianism I wasn't thinking about gay movements I was thinking about staying alive <laughs> but you know she had begun to explore the whole environment with her curiosity she was a great synthesizer and, and able to kind of pick up all the currents around her. I think it was incredibly freeing for Sally to go to San Francisco. I think it allowed her to become everything she was able to become. She's so cool. <laughs> that is so great. So let's talk a little bit about Sally, the film, and where we are with the film, and how we all who are here today can support the film. Well, so <laughs> I, I'll jump in quickly, and then I'll let Andy New York follow up. So we this has been a, a, a process, as all films are. You sort of try to not tell if you, your partner, if you have one, exactly how long it's going to take. <laughs> and then you say, we'll be done soon. Um, so we've been working on it since 2018, but had footage from the previous film. COVID got in the way, obviously. Funding always gets in the way. I'm not a wonderful fundraiser, but we love donations of any size. It's really, really helpful to us. And as we say, it's really um, a donation to to telling our stories and preserving our history. Um, we're very excited about the progress we're making. We, we were able to kind of come out of the gate running after COVID. COVID hung us up. Then we did a, a good fundraiser and we got a grant from Cal Humanities. So we just dived into production. We did about a dozen interviews over the summer. Ondine has started post. We're still interviewing. We're going to go to Virginia to meet Sally's half-brother. We're going to go to Texas because Sally's life teaching in the closet was in Texas, and Sally grew up in Virginia. It's sort of like the road not traveled. So, And, and we're just super... Um, it's just a wonderful team where everybody's really supportive and ev we, everybody just fits together. And 
wants to make a great film honoring Sally at, with the humor and imagination and creativity. And again, the mountain of contradiction. Sally's fun and funny and would crawl around on the floor with grandchildren pretending to be a cat. And then you see her in the Briggs debate and this incredible brilliance and gravitas where it's like you do not want to be on the other side of a debate from her because she will kick your ass. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're excited about the progress and Jorg and Andine can tell you, and we need, you know, su- the, the support you can, you any support you can give us to. I have moved off the grid in order <laughs> to, <laughs> um, we are editing this film on solar. Um, partly, <laughs> um, not quite chainsawing topless yet, but I might get there. <laughs> uh, but all of this is to reduce my costs so that I can spend more time, you know, working on this, um, devote myself more fully to this. So, um, yeah, we're dying to make this film. We're doing, we've, for the past few years, it's been weekends, evenings, you know, whatever we could possibly give, and we're, we're in it to win it. <laughs> so, yes, we, we really do. Any help you can give is, goes, goes very far. Yeah, if I may chime in. So I think we're about, I would say, like 80% done with filming. We have a bunch yeah. of it. We have about 30 interviews in the can. We have a few more to make. We started with archival uh, research, which is, um, the research is not that expensive, but getting the footage is going to be. Most of the clips that you saw inside the both the trailer and inside the scene Andine just presented um, is preliminary. We need to decide at the end of the day which ones do we want, and then the, the big negotiations around how much are we going to pay for that are going to start. And I think because of the California Humanities Grant and because of a fundraiser we did, we are probably financed through the end of the year to finish production and to continue maybe having a first rough cut by the end of the year. Don't listen, Andina, I said that. But sometime soon. Um, and then we're just going to have to start again with yeah. fundraising. You know, our, we, we had a very ambitious um, budget that we created when we first started this that had money for Andine and Deborah and I as producers and for Deborah as director because we basically do stuff every week. And so far, we've only been able to put the money into actually filming interviews and going out there and hiring other people because filmmaking is still a very expensive endeavor, unfortunately. And we're in this not for the money. We're in this because we really want to make this film and tell stories, tell Sally's story so that other people like Deborah are not going to end up reading about this woman and having no idea who she was. Mm -hmm. Hopefully our film will change it once and for all. We we had a really interesting conversation um, earlier today about privilege. Mm. And, you know, we're all in a situation where we're volunteering hours and hours and hours of our time. And we are privileged enough to be able to do that, you know, because I teach and my partner has a decent job. And and it shouldn't have to be that way. Mm. It, it, it shouldn't rely or and it shouldn't rely on, you know, happenstance that I happen to meet Sally through this friend and, and people who are, you know, not rolling in the dough, but privileged enough to be able to take time off from their lives to just volunteer years of their time to do this. So again, um, Let's um, let's turn Hollywood upside down. And I don't know <laughs> where all those Hollywood people at are all about diversity and inclusion all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the golden question is where can people donate? Um, so I think we it's it, so we have a our, our fiscal sponsor is Center for Independent Documentary. So anybody who donates, it's a tax deductible donation. I think if you just look up Sally Earhart documentary, it will come up. It's a center for it should say Sally documentary. This on the Center for Independent Documentary, and there's a site where people can donate there. And there's actually uh, there's another clip on that uh, site that we've shown in the past. We didn't want to do that Ooh. again here, but there's a really cool clip on that site as well that we were not showing tonight. So if you're really interested in it, you can see that additional clip there. Let's turn to our online audience. We've got some great questions, and um, you know, whoever feels that they want to answer, feel free to jump in. Was Sally disappointed by the evolution of lesbian rights in the social scene over the past 40 years, or did she think it got better? All eyes on Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, Melanie, why don't you start? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
You know, I think that Sally was very appreciative of where the movement was going. As you might recall, San Francisco Pride honored Sally with an award um, in those much later years. And I remember, I'm vaguely remembering her comment when she received that um, award. She was honored, deeply honored and touched to receive that. And in doing that, uh, she acknowledged the movement and where it had come. She acknowledged uh, marriage equality. And um, she was, um, I think, very proud of where things had gone. I think that she did see her part in that, um, you know, because as that clip showed, she really, you know, when you saw those few people walking down the street with banners and then you juxtapose that to dykes on bikes, you know, the women on bikes, and then you juxtapose that these several decades later, um, she that did not escape Sally. I have one little, little comment, another little bit of a Sally story, actually, because I talked to her very briefly about marriage equality, and she's like, marriage is part of the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I know you're right. (laughs) So, I mean, I think there's a push-pull in her of seeing the changes and appreciating the changes. And, I mean, I I think Sally and a lot of other women didn't want so much just acceptance as revolution. Mm. And um, maybe we still need some of that. Mm -hmm. To add to that... That, that's what's so interesting is that complexity because marriage equality, the aspect of it that was tangible was the fact that it beat the religious right. Mm-hmm. Is there a successor to Sally Gearhart or someone who you would say is carrying on her vision? I'm going to say so many people. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Sally would say. I mean, we talk about her, we think and talk about her legacy all the time. Um, But what's becoming increasingly clear is that her legacy is walking around everywhere, Um, whether it's all the people that she taught back at San Francisco State, who, you know, Sheree Moraga um, or Lonnie, and I'm never going to be able to pronounce her last name, York, you can help me. Uh, (laughs) Lonnie Ka'ahumanu. Thank you. Um, who've written books that have changed the world um, and, and, and just people who live their lives differently because they encountered Sally. Um, so in a way, her, the people who are carrying the torch are, are everywhere. But that's such an intriguing question. I don't, I'm really going to have to think about that in terms of is there one person who seems like they may have stepped into her shoes. I don't know, Deborah York. Yeah, no, I I can't think of somebody, but I do think that, um, uh, you know, what we're really trying to show in the film is Sally was a figurehead for a whole movement. And in some ways, what we have now is movements that don't necessarily have figureheads as much as their more grassroots-focused movement. So, um, but yeah, there's not somebody that leaps to my mind that is a figurehead in the way that Sally... Uh, really was. I was going to respond with maybe it's all of us. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how was Sally most effective in communicating in her writing, in her public speaking, or in small groups? Oh, all of the above. <laughs> Deborah, do you want to speak to that one? <laughs> well, um, uh, so I didn't, I never was there in person to see Sally speak in front of a crowd, but, but you can tell she, it was, she, in, in, you know, was an incredible motivator. And, and by the way, that's why we're, we're so interested in going to Virginia, among other things, is because she grew up in the church. She had that beautiful kind of booming voice. And, and, she, and, and by the way, she, you know, she taught, she was in the theater, she taught theater and communication, um, but, um, so yeah, I think that, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. But. All of the above. <laughs> all of the above. All of the above. So yeah, sorry. Um, 
In one-on-one, very definitely very powerful. Um, And in her writing, I mean, uh, there were bits, we had her reading from the Wanderground, and then there are bits in her writing that just leap out at you. So, for example, um, she said, I am, she wrote about religion, and she said, I'm looking forward to the death of the church so we can begin to practice the gospel. You know, and that's just one of many, many, many things that she said where her voice was like... um, uh, you know, I wouldn't say like a blow to the face, but a kind of a wake up call in a way. Or is, and then, or she said we should reduce men to 10% of the population. And it's like, was, was she serious? She, was she just trying to get people to wake up? Like, you know, you grab people by the lapels and you shake them. And I think it's some of all of those things. Uh, but everyone seems to agree that her activism was communication. Mm. Um, that was the, the, the great gift that she was given and that she then shared with all of us was communication in all of its forms. Um, the other thing is that her her good old friend and also a brilliant scholar in own, her own right, Dorothy Hacker, talked about Sally. One of Sally's overarching concerns, as I had mentioned, was violence, violence against women, violence against the environment. And um, what Dorothy just simply said is communication is the opposite of violence. Violence mm-hmm. is what happens when communication breaks down. And so it, 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 whatever form that communication is, whether it's one-on-one, Sally talking to Margie Handley, whether it's up in front of a crowd or whether it's in a, in a you know, in written form, it just really, you know, she, it was exceptional in, in, in all of those forms. It was very Sally-like. It sounds strange, but um, there was a very small memorial for Sally where we spread her ashes at her cabin, and I was fortunate to be invited. And somebody who was there read from Sally's will because Sally's will was a piece of poetry where she said, this is what I want done with my body. I want it turned into dog food so we could feed the animals. And if that's not possible, please take me in a helicopter and drop me on the Alaskan tundra so I can be a snack for a wild animal. And this sort of incredible humor and compassion and, um, uh, you know, quirkiness. So how many else of us have something in a will, which is usually this boring prose that doesn't have anything to do with anything that really reads like a piece of poetry. And at the end of her will, she said, and if you feel compelled to have some kind of closure ceremony uh, uh, related to me, make sure there is music and dancing. Mm. Was there anything she changed her mind about over time? Anything she thought she might have wanted to do differently later on? Can't hear you. Sorry, it's windy here, so I'm trying to spare you all. Um, so sorry. Um, just so, so many things. I think that so much of what she was about was, was questioning and questioning her own thinking. Um, and I don't think that that, according to all the interviews um, that, we've, that we've done with people and, and interviews with her as well, I think that she continued to do that until the day she died. Mm-hmm. Um, she changed, I mean, I could just, I could just start rattling things off. Um, but she, you know, she changed her mind about separatism in certain ways for sure. Um, bisexuality was a big one. She had a real hard time with that in the beginning. And, um, it was Lonnie who brought her, brought her around, but, um, but yeah, a lifelong pursuit of the truth, um, in, 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 which, which included looking at anything that she had done and, and questioning it. What was it that there's a story um, someone tells about being on an airplane and Sally says, you know, the Wanderground's just a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And and this person said, it's Ruth. Um, Ruth Mahoney says, oh, no, no, why? She says, because there's no sex in it. <laughs> and then proceeded to talk about S&M at the top of her lungs for the rest of the flight. Um, and everyone was very quiet. <laughs> Anyone else want to add to that before we move on to the next question? All right. Um, let's see here. What do you feel is the origin of Sally's huge capacity to consistently 
reach out to people with opposing viewpoints? Mm. Um, I, I can speak to that. I mean, Sally grew up in Virginia in a conservative town. She grew up in the church. She grew up in a very segregated area. Um, she, when this woman I mentioned, Dorothy Hacker, met her, Sally, you know, was a big Anne Rand devotee teaching at a Christian college. Um, and so I think that among, aside from having a really open mind and endless curiosity, her openness to other points of view is that she changed herself and, but also could have sort of some kind of empathy and ability to connect with people who are different because she had been different. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a really good question, especially for those who want to seek more of uh, Sally. Is there a place or a publication to read her collected writings? Uh, are her papers going to be collected somewhere? They are. They are. We have an audience member who knows the answer to this. Um, well, I don't know if anybody else wants to speak to that. I don't want to hog the spotlight, but her papers were deposited at the University of Oregon, Oregon and um, we're actually working on, on Dean is working with a graduate student up there who's helping us explore the archive. So a lot of her archival material up there is up there. Um, some of her novels, I think, are no longer in print, and hopefully that can be changed at some point. But if people are interested in certain of her works, they can check in with me and I can try to connect them with people who can get them to particular works that they might be interested in. Awesome. Last question. Go ahead, Mel. I remember being at Sally's house when she herself, um, and that was probably before your film started shooting, was actually had spread every piece of anything she could find out on a bed, on a piece of furniture, on the floor. And she took us on a guided tour of all this memorabilia of hers and stuff that she had managed to pull together. And she viewed it with such great pride. Um, And so she was clearly starting that process of ensuring her legacy and um, or rather the way I saw it was the legacy of the movement at that time. And um, she spent a lot of time putting that stuff together and, and glad to see that people are asking these questions and will seek the stuff out and that it's all coming to fruition. We've got five minutes left of our program. It's been so incredible. Uh, The last question from our audience member is, what do you think Sally was most proud of as far as her accomplishments? And so if each of you could take a minute or, or so to answer that, that would be great. We'll start with York. Uh, you know what? I, I don't think I can really talk to that. I didn't know her enough, but I, um, I hope that, you know, for us that she would appreciate that we're infusing her sense of humor into the film. I hope that the clips you saw show that there's going to be a lot of laughter, a lot of little anecdotes and fun. And I think... Just from the way she presented herself, that seemed to be one of her secrets that she just she had a lot of humor and she infused a lot of humor, even into situations that otherwise could have been easily derailed. Mel? You know, to um, it's a very difficult question to answer for me, other than to say my, from my own experience with her and my sense of her in that realm was that she was proud of other people. She was proud of people that came and took some form of the mantle moving forward. And I felt that in the interview that we did with her. It's almost like she asked us the questions. She became sort of somewhat of the interviewer on some level. She wanted to know about us and what we were doing. And there was so much proud that I, I think she did relate it back to herself. We, we keep hearing that story from everyone. Just, in fact, of all the things that, that we keep hearing over and over again, I think that's the one that's been the most prominent is just how supportive Sally was of other people, how curious, um, what a good friend. That's um, um, interesting that you had, in that, that, that short experience that you had, you, you had that as well. Um, I think she was... We asked her the question, and for some reason, I can't think of the answer right now. Um, I'm going to look as soon as, as soon as the program ends. Um, but I, I do feel that she was especially proud of her writing. Um, but that was maybe her, her deepest, deepest passion, the, um, 
the science fiction writing. Um, but yeah, tough one to answer. Um, my sense is that Sally was always forward-looking. So I think she was proud of her past accomplishments, you know, and proud of being part of Briggs and part of being, proud of being part of the Women's Studies program. But we talked to, we interviewed one of her oldest friends, Cynthia Secor, who was, said, Sally just moved on. And we were curious about, she actually retired from teaching early. And I was curious about why, because I get the sense she was an incredibly fantastic teacher who had a deep impact on her students. And I think the answer is she wanted to write. And so she really was one of these people who was a constant searcher, not resting on her laurels, but proudest of the next thing that Mm. she wanted to do. Thank you. Thank you all so much. It's been a great afternoon uh, paying tribute to an icon, a giant, uh, an amazing community member, feminist, political activist, educator, teacher, Sally Gearhart, Miss Sally. But we're excited that there's a documentary we're all, we're working on of uh, your Deborah and Andine, and it's in progress and we need a little bit of help and support to get it done. Um, and so you could do that by looking up Sally, the documentary and, and support the film as much as you can. I want to thank also Mel for joining us for the conversation. And thank you to our audience members who are here today. Thank you to Weatherford BMW for providing us lunch from the rooftop. Thank you to the Commonwealth Club for the platform for giving us the opportunity to come together to celebrate Sally. Now you all have a great weekend and be kind to yourself and kind to one another and uh, do something Sally would do. But not too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> For more upcoming programs, head to commonwealthclub.org slash MMS. We'll see you next time.